Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, Happy New Year, church. Uh, Yay, we made it. We made it in 2023. My goodness. Well, um, are you guys doing okay today? Yeah, half of you are asleep already. And you slept in. You're the sleep-in crowd. And I know, five minutes ago, I looked out here, and this room was not this full. So you slept in, and then you came in late. So his grace is enough for you. Um, We're just thankful you're here, because I thought I was going to be alone today. And uh, so this is extra... Uh, enjoyable to have you all here. Um, There's something about New Year's that makes me kind of think about the year ahead, makes me think about years past, you know, and uh, dreams. You know, God's mercies are new every single morning, and I thank God for that. But his mercies are are new as we kind of just roll into a new calendar year every single day, Every single year, it just feels like we've got this opportunity for the Lord to do something new and fresh in us, if that's where you need. Maybe you need this year to not be so new, and you need just kind of a stable, consistent year. Um, God's going to meet us right where we're at. As I've been thinking about it, you know, I'm, I'm looking back at the last 10 years. I've gone from 38 years old to 48 years old in the last 10 years. And um, what I've learned is this, when you change nothing about your diet or your exercise habits from 38 to 48 years old, you begin to jiggle in places that you didn't previously (laughs) jiggle. Uh, A couple nights ago, I was craving waffles for dinner, also a problem at 48 that wasn't so much a problem at 38. And what's more is the waffles that I wanted, I I don't like regular syrup. I wanted berry syrup. So I went over to the Kroger to find some berry syrup, only to discover there's no berry. There's no Knott's boysenberry. I couldn't find blueberry, whatever. What they did have was Fruity Pebbles flavored (laughs) syrup. And so I thought this is either going to be the absolute best thing that I've ever put in my mouth, or I'm gonna be sick all night long, (laughs) and $4.99 is worth the gamble. And so, (laughs) I got it, I partook in the Fruity Pebbles syrup, it tasted phenomenal, but it looked like I bled out all over (laughs) my waffles, and so, I don't recommend it that much. I've got to watch my fitness. I don't like working out. I don't like running. I don't like cardio. I hate weightlifting because you look stupid when you weightlift. You do. I've seen you. Um, my, my max weightlifting, like bench pressing, is like a pack of Starburst, you know? I can't do it. And so you go into those places with the workout guys in there. 
and you look absolutely ridiculous when you try to do the weightlifting because you get that bar there and then I try for it. This is not attractive. And they put mirrors on all the walls so you can see how stupid you look while you're doing this. There's always those guys in there that know what they're doing. They've got the tremendous pectoral muscles. Two huge bumpy things out here. And if you talk to them, they can make one go up and down, independent of each other, which is fascinating. They haven't seen their feet in years because of the two huge bumpy things here. I'd watch those, those competitions, you know, where they strike the poses and all that. I used to think they were trying to be creative and all that. They're not. They're just trying to touch their hands together but they cannot because they're too bulky. I don't like it. I don't like the working out. I don't like the uh, physical fitness. It's not my thing. But spiritual fitness, that's something else. So those of you that are worried this is gonna be a talk on physical fitness today and getting healthy, forget that. (laughs) You can think about that later. I'll leave Pastor John to address that in subsequent weeks. But today, I wanna talk about spiritual fitness. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, do you even allow that process through your mind? If you you just think about how you're doing spiritually, a spiritual health, a spiritual training, a spiritual fitness, what would it look like to keep in shape spiritually, get in shape spiritually? Um, This is now a good time as any to process that or just kind of evaluate it. But rather than it feeling like something that you must do, or here's a series of things that I should do or shouldn't do, I'd love to process it in terms of your actual relationship with Jesus. That spiritual training or fitness really at its core is about allowing Jesus some room to do some work in your heart. Spiritual fitness may have to do with something like recognizing where your spiritual heart is at, recognizing where Jesus' heart is at, and allowing him to close the gap. I think when we're spiritually training, he's bringing all these areas of our life and all these areas of our heart and all these areas of our relationship into alignment with how he would operate. You know what I'm talking about? That somehow he would make your heart catch up with his heart as you get spiritually fit. That whatever eyes you have would get in line with his eyes, the way you see people, the way you see the world around you, they would line up with how Jesus sees people. The decisions that you make would line up with the same way that Jesus would make decisions. The way that you go through life would just kind of sync up in Christ-likeness. The more we partake in spiritual training, spiritual fitness, spiritual relationship with him, that he would do some pretty phenomenal work in us. And I would love to kind of just immerse, if it's okay today, in a whole lot of scripture, in particular one chapter. Uh, I'm gonna walk us through briefly, but almost the entire chapter of 1 Timothy chapter four. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. If you're not real familiar in your Bible, it's near the end, so probably quicker to go back to the back of your Bible, work to the left. You'll find this letter 
called First Timothy. Go to chapter four. Let me talk to you about that just for a little bit though. This is a letter that was written from an older believer to a younger believer. This is a letter written from Paul to Timothy. Now, Paul wrote a tremendous amount of the New Testament. Paul had had his life changed by Jesus. And then he began to take these missionary journeys, one of which he took. It's likely that he came through Timothy's town. And likely that Timothy heard the gospel through Paul and received the gospel, got rescued by Jesus through Paul's teaching. And then Timothy gets put on Paul's radar. He's got a heart for God and he's already serving the believers. And now fast forward, when Paul's writing this, he's probably late 60s, early 70s. Timothy, probably about 30 years old. On his journeys, Paul had been to a city called Ephesus. It's in modern day Turkey. And he goes to Ephesus, he shares the gospel, a whole bunch of people receive it, their lives are changed, and now a church is started there in Ephesus. And they need a shepherd, they need a pastor. So he looks at his young protege, Timothy, and says, Timothy, I'm gonna leave you here to pastor these people, to shepherd these people. So just anchor in. And he writes this letter and a subsequent one, 2 Timothy, to encourage his protege, who he really considered like a son in the faith. And they grew close. And the instructions that he gives, one pastor to another, one evangelist to another, one brother in Christ to another, with regard to spiritual training, what Timothy should do in training himself, walking with Jesus, but also how he should train the people of God, it's helpful for us today. I think if you and I grab Jesus by the hand wholeheartedly, and then we link arms with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, my goodness, absolute miracles can happen. I believe that with all my heart. But if we're kind of distant from Jesus, we're disconnected from each other, then all bets are off. But you lock into Jesus and then you link arms with some brothers and sisters in Christ and we engage in this fitness and training together. They're workout buddies that you've got. Maybe it's family members, maybe it's friends. It's people older than you, it's people younger than you. It's discipleship. That's what the church is about. We're disciples of Jesus, and then we're all called to make disciples. Did you know, discipleship is not meant for the select few who feel like it. Discipleship is for every Christian to be a disciple of Jesus, but also to make disciples and be a part of discipling others. If you're older, we need you and what you've got in your relationship with Jesus, and we need that being passed down, and I thank God for you, because I know so many of you are already doing that. If you're younger, then you should be being discipled, but you could already start discipling. If you're in high school or college, go help out with the youth, go help out with the kids, the little kids. They already look up to you, so go invest and love on and care for them, and we'll link arms together with Jesus, and then amazing things are gonna happen. And so he's leaving Timothy here with quite the task and he wants to shoot straight with him and help him 
get spiritually fit so he can get his people spiritually fit. And look at what he says, verses one and two, 1 Timothy chapter four. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. In other words, what Paul is encouraging Timothy here is this. Spiritual training is gonna help you differentiate the truth from the lies. And you and all, I need this. In the last times, basically anything from the time Jesus was here on earth till he comes again is considered the last times or the latter days. So this was true when Paul's writing this to Timothy a couple thousand years ago, it's still true today. Do you and I or people we love have trouble differentiating truth from lies? Totally. I know I do and I need help in this. And the more spiritual training I get, the more spiritually fit I am, the more able I am to discern the truth versus the lies. That was the case for them. Paul says, okay, there's, there's sometimes people are gonna turn away from the faith or depart from the faith. What the enemy's gonna do there is people receive the truth, they say, I'm on board with the truth, I'm on board with Jesus, I'm following him but then at some point deliberately walk away, turn away. That's some people. That might be you at some point in your past or maybe even processing through something like that now or someone you love. You know that they knew the truth but they deliberately turned and walked away, they departed from it. Whether it was because something over here looked better, whether it was because the Christian life was too hard, whatever the reason, they knew the truth, they received it but then they turned away. Other people, they are deceived. There's deceiving spirits. And, and this is more like the truth comes, you receive it, but then someone or something misleads you or dupes you or tricks you into wandering away. And it's not quite as deliberate, but it can be equally catastrophic. You get tricked or misled or a hoax gets pulled on you. You fall for something. And you didn't really know it at the time, but you got pulled away anyway. And then he says, or there's this teaching by what he says pretty strongly here that's taught by demons. Another translation says false teaching. And in that case, it means that sometimes from churches, pastors, sometimes from other religions, sometimes from culture, sometimes from the media, sometimes from politicians, whatever. There's teaching going out constantly. And they are doing it in a fashion that is just flat out wrong. It's flat out false. It is inconsistent with the truth of God and the word of God and therefore it's false. And by very nature then, Spiritually speaking, in this demonic realm, the enemy has a field day with that sort of teaching. Because you and I receive it as something that's true when it's not at all. And so for you and I to get physically fit is one thing, spiritually fit even better, because now you can discern the truth from the lies. And when we're getting bombarded with all these lies constantly, 
Do you even know what's true? Do I even know? Does it ever kind of rattle your cage to wonder, you know, the enemy might know the scriptures better than you do? And he likes to take a little bit of the truth, enough to go, oh, that sounds like the truth, and then twist it. A flat-out, bold-faced lie is usually pretty easy to see, but the, the truth that's wrapped in a lie or a lie that's wrapped in some sort of truth, that's harder to distinguish. Let's take two real quick and just do a little bit of the work together. Take two real quick, two lies that are kind of prevalent today, culture and amongst the people of God even. Truth number one, and then match it up against uh, lie number one, and then the truth of scripture. See how they compare, okay? Here's a common lie in our culture today. Your success comes when you're happy, comfortable, or fulfilling your potential. You're only successful if you're happy, comfortable, or fulfilling your potential. That's the only thing that really matters in life, okay? And if you hear that, you might, and I've heard that, some version of that, I go, okay, that sounds good. Well, now if I'm not happy, not comfortable, and not fulfilling my potential, then I wonder, gosh, I must not be successful, I must not be worthwhile, I must not be valuable, et cetera, et cetera. If the lie is success comes when you're comfortable, success comes when you are fulfilling your potential, but Jesus says, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the persecuted. Hmm. That doesn't sound comfortable or happy. And yet, he says, I'm blessed. Well, which one? Well, the truth of God comes from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus talks about the Christian life saying, if anyone wants to follow me, you gotta deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And the cross was an instrument of death or execution. So it's not like, oh, I gotta bear my burden. Taking up your cross is saying like, if I gotta lay down my life for you, Jesus, I'll die for you, Jesus, to follow you. Well, that doesn't sound real happy or comfortable either. And what if my potential is to lose my life for Jesus? Okay, now we're starting to compare a little bit of the truth against the lies. We gotta know it and then compare the two and just begin to process. Another lie that's prevalent is something like this. Um, I must do blank in order for God to like me. I must do blank in order for God to love me. I must do blank in order to be saved by God, or I must keep doing blank to stay saved by God. Okay, if you believe that lie, lots of consequences to that. The truth of God, though, from the word of God, Jesus says in John chapter six, this is the work of God, colon, believe in the one whom he sent. What do I gotta do to be saved? What do I gotta do for God to love me? I gotta do a whole bunch of works. I, I, I gotta avoid the bad stuff and do the right stuff and I can never mess up and no. 
He says, this is the work of God. Believe in the one whom he sent. Ephesians says, it's by grace you've been saved. It's by grace through faith. This is a gift of God. It's not from yourselves so that no one can boast. So if I've got to do something in order for God to love me, but then the truth from scripture says something entirely different, which one are you going to believe? And we got to discern the truth from the lies in this manner, this capacity, get really good at it, linking arms with Jesus and each other, helping each other out. First Timothy chapter four, skip down to verse six. Paul goes on, he says, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, look, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. See, there's training that we need. There's spiritual training that you and I need. And, and it's training in godliness, which I would define as the ways of Jesus. Because again, I want my heart to line up with Jesus. I want my decision making to line up with Jesus. I want my thinking to line up with Jesus. I, I want my behavior to line up with Jesus. I just, I desperately want that because I know that's what he wants for me. And when I open myself up like this app this is just the beginning, you guys. That's just a simple tool. It's not the be-all, end-all. But if you give God the opportunity, every single day you open up the thing and you get a little bit of the word of God and then you pray a little bit and then you act on it. What I'm hoping and praying is that'll just be the spark. It'll just be the catalyst to engage in the ways of Jesus enough to say, I, I heard a little bit of your word I'm gonna take some longer and dive in more. I prayed a little bit here, Lord, but I, I wanna to talk to you longer. I acted on a little bit of this for five minutes today. I wanna have it work its way through all my actions this week, this month, and see what happens. But it takes training. Time plus training, spiritual training, that will produce more of Jesus' heart in you and I. Some of you just haven't had enough time yet. Some of you are super young, and it's, you just haven't had a lot of time yet with Jesus. And so that's why there isn't a whole lot of godliness yet. That's why your heart and his aren't caught up, because you haven't had a whole lot of time. That's okay. God's patient. God understands. He gets you. Others of you, you've had ample time. You just haven't had any training. You haven't had any discipline. You know how many Christians have lived the first year of their Christian life 35 times? They're not maturing. They're not growing up. They're old by age, but they're babies spiritually. We're meant to mature. We're meant to grow up. 
And if that's you, then you just need some training. Doesn't matter what age, I still need training. I still need tons of it. Paul knew Timothy needed it, even though he'd already been familiar with the scriptures and had a heart for Jesus and all of that. We, we all need this continually. It's, it's important. It continues on, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Look at this. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Stop for a second. Be an example. We're gonna hold hands with Jesus and then we're gonna link arms with brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe it's friends, maybe it's family members. We need each other. That's the church. You need an example. I need an example. Sometimes we need Jesus with skin. I really need to see how this was played out. If Jesus were here, would he make decisions like you? If Jesus were here, would he interact like you are, I need to see it sometime in real tangible form. And that's the beauty of each other. Be an example. Pastor Vaughn in the 1950s and 60s, Pastor Evie Vaughn Trutzler started one of the first youth ministries in the United States. It was in San Diego. And all he would do was love kids really, really well that were in high school and preach the gospel every single week. And on Thursday nights, he got 800 high schoolers coming on a weekly basis back in the 1960s, before youth groups were even a thing. And this absolute outbreak was going on. And during the course of Vaughn's ministry, a young man named Eddie in high school came to Vaughn's youth group and Eddie had a drug problem, and Eddie had family troubles, and, and Eddie didn't know Jesus, and Jesus rescued Eddie through Vaughn's message and through Vaughn's life. Eddie had an example in Vaughn, and it led Eddie to Jesus. It also led Eddie into vocational ministry. Eddie then, fast forward, became my youth pastor. And I sat under Eddie's ministry and Eddie's teaching and the full scope of Jesus and what he's done for me really came to bear on my heart during Eddie's impact on my life. I had an example in Eddie who had an example in Vaughn. Fast forward some years later, Eddie's son Aaron ended up in my youth group. And the trickle effect, it continued. Aaron is now a missionary in South America, ministering to countless numbers of youth all across South America. Every single one of us needed an example, and we each had it. And it was a huge ripple effect and blessing that you and I as the church, you know, Connection Point, we are so perfectly suited to be a church that ministers well to every single generation, because we've got all generations. And the church isn't so much a building, it's not so much program, it's relationship, it's discipleship. It's us linked with Jesus now pouring ourselves into each other, helping each other walk with Jesus and get spiritually fit. You know, uh, circuit training, 
Those of you that are real, you know, weightlifting, exercise people, you're familiar with circuit training. I kind of had to look it up. I'd heard of it, but since I don't exercise, I... Uh... <laughs> but circuit training is interesting because it's meant to be something beneficial to the whole body. Cardio, strength, all of it. And you work your way through different sorts of exercises that work different parts of your body inside and out and whatnot. And, and what... what Paul lays out for Timothy here is almost like circuit training spiritually. It's like a spiritual fitness circuit training. He says, be an example, and then he lists these areas that I believe Jesus wants to strengthen in each of us, our words, our life, our faith, our love, our purity. And you might use this. You might use this as kind of something to help you Maybe just evaluate in your own life, in your own journey. Maybe there's an area here that you just go, okay, between you and Jesus, you just go, I know, I sense it, Jesus, I can hear you, Holy Spirit. This particular area is the area you want to work on for the next couple of months or the next couple of years. You might use this if you've got an accountability partner or with your kids. You might use this with friends as talking points, when you sit down and you're trying to disciple one another or walk with Jesus together and just, they're good spiritual fitness questions in your relationship with Jesus. I took the opportunity to jot down some questions for myself, evaluate for myself, but that might also be useful for you and I may use these with people that I meet with as well. When it comes to your words, Let's leg day. <laughs> yeah, leg day is the worst. Like I would know. I'm just <laughs> making that up. Your words. Here's the question I wrote down for myself, and you may think through it as well. Ron, can you picture Jesus using the bulk of words you use every day? Are the bulk of words you use every day building others up, Ron? Because the word of God says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building each other up. Okay, now we're taking the word of God and applying it to an area of my life that I think Jesus is interested in. This thing, the tongue, James says, is very powerful. Life and death can come from this thing right here. You can build up, you can tear it down. You can heal or you can rip to shreds with the words. And so how are, how's the words? Is that an area that maybe you'd go, okay, Lord, let's, let's work on that together for a little while. What about your life? Now, that's pretty all-encompassing. Here's what I wrote down for my evaluative question. Ron, when you think about your life's actions, specifically, Ron, how you spend your time can you picture Jesus using time in a similar manner? It's a good question, right? And you might just process that yourself or with people you sit down with and just go, Jesus, I wanna allow you into my time. The scripture says, make the most of every opportunity. Living as wise, not as unwise. Okay, so we're bringing the word to bear again on how you spend your time. What about love? 
question I wrote for myself is, Ron, is your love for people as generous as Jesus' love, even for those you don't care for or agree with? It's another good question. Because Jesus says, if you love those who love you, even non-believers do that. So he poses the question, what are you doing more than others? So I'm taking Jesus' words and applying it to this area of love in my life. I'm, gonna, I'm called to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. Whew. Could he strengthen me, make me more fit in that area? You bet. Faith. The substance of your faith, maybe uh, how much you're willing to exhibit faith, maybe how much trust you have in the Lord. The question I wrote down, evaluated for myself is this. Ron, are you trusting in what God promised for your joy in a similar manner to how Jesus did on his way to the cross? Am I trusting in what God promised to bring me joy, even in the face of challenges and difficulties, or am I just trusting in myself, quick fix, oh, this will make me feel better, this will bring me quote unquote joy? Or am I trusting in him for my joy, even when it's difficult? You know, Jesus on the way to the cross, scripture tells us that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, man. In other words, for the joy of conquering sin and death, for the joy of rescuing the people he loved, he was willing to lay down his life. And before the cross, he's sweating blood, and he says, not my will, but yours be done, Father. That's trust. And I wanna exhibit that faith and trust that Jesus exhibited, purity. Purity, you know, intake, what we take in, has a big effect. I'm not big into exercising, but in this last year, year and a half, I lost 20 pounds from fasting. And so sometimes what you just don't take in is healthful and helpful. And same spiritually. Sometimes we consume so much stuff that is so icky and hurtful, it's not for months and months until we recognize it. But purity plays a part Here's the question I wrote down. Ron, are you resisting temptation using similar strategies Jesus used in his temptation? Because Jesus was tempted. And what did he do in response to it? He used the word of God. See, the enemy used the word of God, but twisted it. But Jesus knew the word even better and was able to bring the truth to bear on the lies of the enemy. Now here's this crazy thing that we're stuck in these days. James says that resist the devil and he'll flee from you, and he does. But Jesus did that. He resisted the devil and he fled. At the end of that passage, though, it says, but then Satan left him until an opportune time. So we resist and he flees until an opportune time. And what your opportune time is may not be my opportune time. I know when I get tired or stressed, that's my opportune time. It might be something different for you. But I have to be aware of that and, and be physically fit enough to recognize it and, and go to battle. Look at verse 13. Paul said, until I get there, 
Timothy, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. In other words, at its absolute foundation, spiritual training is about a lot of repetitions with the scriptures. You know, you build muscle with a lot of reps when you're weightlifting. You build dexterity with a lot of reps of like scales when you're learning the piano. The more that you're into it, the more that you do it, the more that you put in the reps, then it builds you up. And our spiritual weight walking with the living word, Jesus Christ is the word of God. And when we get dexterous with it, and we're into it and we know, then it's building us up, it's strengthening our heart, it's strengthening our soul, it's strengthening our mind, it's helping us discern this, that, and the other thing, it's bringing a sense of Christ's heart right to our heart. Jesus said, my goodness, if you want your house built on the rock, then what do you do? You hear the word of God and then you put it into practice. If you wanna have your house be like it's built on sand, then don't hear the word. Or if you do, don't put it into practice. And then when stuff comes, you're gonna get wiped out. But if you hear it and put it into practice, you'll stand. Verse 14, Paul says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. He says, Timothy, you had a spiritual gift. Don't neglect it. Did you know that when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you, you got a spiritual gift given to you by the Holy Spirit? You got a superpower, or two or three. And there's nothing more sad to me than a church full of people with superpowers that are just laying dormant. Because we don't even know what they are, much less put them into practice, much less let them be developed. But when we're spiritually fit, then we're allowing Jesus to identify those gifts and then train them up, build them up so that they can be a blessing to the people around you and to the world. Neglected spiritual gifts are the saddest thing to me and the church suffers for it. Let's not that, have that be us. And then lastly, verse 15 and 16. He says, Timothy, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Friends and family, spiritual training is gonna eternally benefit both you and those around you. If you got physically healthy, it benefits you, but it also means you'll be around for the people that you care about. How much more so is spiritual fitness? Walking with Jesus, walking with each other. It has huge benefits for you. It's got huge benefits for the church, for the family, and for our community that this community desperately needs. You ever think about the end of life for you? You wonder what people are gonna say, what impact you might have had, whether you lived your life the way that the Lord would have had it, that would have had the impact that it was meant to have. God put you here to do something on this planet that nobody else can do. What is it? He's told you a lot right in here about what it is. And he can use you in massive ways. 
Paul reached the end of his days, he knew his end was coming. And you know who he wanted right by his side at the end? Timothy. There's this beautiful thing when you pour into younger generations and whatnot that it moves from kind of being a coach to a parent to then almost peers. And that's a blessing. And that ripple effect just has lasting effects. But think about the time you and I have. Think about all that Jesus could do getting you and I spiritually fit in just a handful of minutes. There's 1,440 minutes every single day. That makes 525,600 minutes in a year. That makes 5.25 million minutes in a decade. What if we take a long look at a decade, huh? We got stuff that he could do today for sure. But let's zoom out a little bit. What if he could close the gap on your heart and in your life this year? Would you want him to? What if he could close the gap on some people that you love in their heart and their life but it might take a decade, would it be worth it to you? Jesus in minutes, minutes a day can do phenomenal things. 10 minutes a day saying, yes, Jesus, I wanna walk with you and I want you to go to work on my heart. 10 minutes a day, that's 3,650 minutes this year. You think Jesus could do something with 3,650 minutes this year in your life? That's 36,500 minutes in the decade. Could Jesus do some work with 36,500 minutes over the next 10 years? You bet. Where does it start? 10 minutes today. 20 would be sweet. Most of us have an hour or more. I'd encourage you to that end. And when we do, we'll keep our arm firmly anchored into Jesus's hand. We'll link arms with each other We'll be workout buddies with each other. We'll be there when we don't wanna get up, when we don't wanna get through it. Some days you'll have to drag me through and pull me along and we'll just see how far along we get. Month after month, year after year, see where we're at in a decade. It's gonna be phenomenal, I guarantee it. And so gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for a year ahead. Thank you for your patience with us. And thank you that you even have the ability and desire to train us up and to grow us. Pray for every single person that's here online and that you'd help them discern maybe one of those areas of their life, their words, love, faith, purity, whatever it is that maybe you wanna start with. And then walk with us, Lord. And then provide a spiritual workout buddy that'll come alongside of us and that we can come alongside and pour into. We'll see what you do with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. 
Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.